market. The S&P. Stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that loves a good game of Monopoly so long as we're the bank. I'm Andrew Page, and with me, as always, is Mr. Scott Phillips. G'day, Andrew. G'day, Fools. I always like to be the boot in Monopoly. You're the boot, the boot? really? Yeah, what's your favourite? I'm the car, obviously. The car. <laughs> do you know that they're changing the... Uh, I do. No, I don't know how, how I feel about it. We're that. off topic, and we haven't even got past the intro. Okay, back on topic. What is the chance of that? Today on the podcast... <laughs> Amazon is coming. We've talked about Winter it before. is coming. Game of Thrones style. But, it, but it's confirmed. So we'll King quick, Joffrey Bezos. A quick chat arriving. about that. All right. Uh, making a lot of waves on the market uh, over the last week has been TPG, the uh, telco. They're, uh, as we know, they're moving into the mobile space. They're Share doing a rights crash. issue. Yeah. yeah. So what's a rights issue and what is, why does it matter? And uh, as I said, uh, we're going to talk a bit about monopolies. Australians love a good monopoly or oligopoly, as is the case. We'll have a look at some of the bigger ones and discuss why exactly that might be. Excellent. Well, Amazon. Yes. We talked about it before. Um, Big US retail online giant. for a long time, rumoured to be coming to Australia. Mm-hmm. They've come out. They've confirmed it. It's happening. Expect it soon. If you've read the papers about every three months for the last five years, there's always been a Amazon is looking for warehouse space in Australia headline. Got lots of clicks. and But they're finally saying they are opening shop. They've already got an ebook business. Yes. They've already, a Kindle business. They've already got an Audible audiobook business. Audible, yep. But now they are coming in full force. The Armada is going to be landing on our shores very, very soon. You know what was interesting about it? We saw the um, we saw the news in, in the AFR. Um, we were just chatting with the with the blokes at work. Mm-hmm. And we all had a little bit of a punt pre-market. We sort of said, oh, what do you reckon Harvey Norman and JB Hyde? <laughs> you know, Motley Fool uh, day trader. Yes, yes. Um, is, <laughs> which is a really good reason why we will never do this. Correct. Because I think you said down 8%. <laughs> I did. And I was like, oh, well, at least 3%. Yep, yep. What happened? Down about 1%. <laughs> you know, it was, it was a nothing kind of reaction. These are the, the companies. About 40% of Amazon's business, Amazon's multi, multi, multi-billion dollar business is electronics. Mm-hmm. The guys who are going to get hurt, if anyone's going to get hurt by Amazon's arrival, are going to be London to a brick, JB Hi-Fi and Harvey Norman. And yet... Investors didn't seem to care. There's a bit of a case of there's this saying on the market. It's buy on the rumor, sell on the fact. And like yeah. most sayings on the share market, I hate it. <laughs> I, I think it's ridiculous. Excellent. Let's move on. Then. Uh, <laughs> but I think that's probably yeah. it. Like We have all been talking about it yep. for so long yep. that when it was finally confirmed, it was kind of like, well, what? there's no news in that. We knew that was happening. You know, we just didn't know exactly when, but it was always soon. And the market kind of went, yeah. Bizarrely enough. So Amazon's been rumored to arrive for the last four or five years. And, mm. and share price have done what they've done. And then about three or four weeks ago, and a report came out and said, if Amazon turn up, it's really going to hurt JB and Harvey Norman. Mm. The shares of Harvey Norman actually fell 8% on that report Yes, back a month ago, right? Yeah. All of a sudden, people went, oh, yeah, that's right. I think we talked about it on the podcast. Then Amazon actually said, yes, we are coming. And the market goes, eh, whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's, I am, it's just phenomenal. It's, it's a very, very good lesson in, in the futility of speculation <laughs> in the short term. Isn't it? Because had you had said that this is going to be released today, you'd almost be tempted to put in some short positions yeah, or hedge yeah. or do whatever the you know, crazy things is that short-term traders do. But we would have absolutely blown up in your face. And Amazon is going to absolutely revolutionize retail in Australia. I yeah. can't I can't overstate no. how big a deal Amazon is going to be when it arrives. The products are dirt cheap. Yep. It has a service in the US called Prime, which gives you, I think it's free one-day or two-day shipping across the entire continental United States. I think in some places they actually deliver that day within a few hours prime now exactly particularly in spain the prices are cheaper the range is bigger the interface is simple and frankly i want to say something like if you're shopping online Mm. something like 60 percent of americans 
go straight to Amazon.com first. That is spectacular. Yeah. So you think about what's going to happen here, right? Everyone who's currently shopping at JB or Harvey Norman, the good guys, and by the way, other places like fashion retailers and grocery retailers mm. and everything else, mm. all of a sudden, Amazon's going to be the place you go first and say, if I can get it on Amazon, I'll buy it there. Yeah. If I can't, maybe I'll get another website or get it in the physical store. And if you can get it in a day or, or less than a day, why would you not use Amazon? I think you make a really good point here. This isn't just, you know, something that's sort of interest of interest to the the investment nerds that are out there and Amazon as a share. This is a structural change within the industry, yeah. within within society yeah. that is going to be with us for decades oh, to yeah. come. Yeah. I mean, this is huge. We can't overstate this is, the significance. This is seismic. This, of, is, this is truly seismic. And I think, you know, if you're... If you're sitting around thinking, oh, maybe Amazon... Look, Amazon might take a while to get to that critical mass, right? Yeah, it will. It's been around yeah. in the US for 20 plus years. Yeah. But Jeff Bezos famously, his famous five-word slogan, your margin is my opportunity. If you're a Harvey Norman, JB Hi-Fi shareholder, if you're a shareholder in a fashion retailer or something else, you better believe Amazon is coming for you. They're coming for your company. And if history is any guide right around the world, they are going to be successful. So people will, will say, um, okay, so it's another US tech giant. They're doing this. I mean, how do we know it's not going to be some other tech? You know, some kids working in their mum's garage right now <laughs> on the next retail sort of, you know, superstar. Yeah. You know, why is it that we can be so confident that, this, that Amazon is here and around in another 20 years time and just crushing it and dominating the whole industry? I mean, why, why, why couldn't I come up with a website that well, you, does the same thing? So there's a couple. The first thing I want to say, I should have said earlier, I actually own shares in Amazon, so full disclosure. Mm -hmm. Secondly, though... <laughs> You're just happy to tell anyone oh, yeah, that'll listen I'm that you're very excited Amazon about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, no, just for disclosure, the, 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 this is the thing, mate. Maybe someone does. I think it's incredibly unlikely Amazon gets beaten from here. They have scale, and scale crushes everything. If you've got to try and compete with Amazon today, you've got to come up with a website with international presence, with better price, better costs than Amazon, better scale than Amazon, better fulfillment than Amazon. You've got to, Amazon really isn't a tech company. I mean, it is, but it's a retail company. Yeah. It's a retail company with matched scale and distribution. Even the Walmarts of the world can't compete with Amazon's business model, and this is the challenge. So. Mm. I, I, look, is it possible someone beats Amazon twenty years time? Yes, mm. it's bloody unlikely. To I think JB it, it, or Harvey, the only way it will happen is if if uh, Bezos and Amazon stuff up. Really, yep. That, yep. that that is the way. If if they keep prosecuting their strategy the way they have done, it is near impossible to beat them because of all of those reasons that you mentioned. Beware, Amazon winter is coming. Motley Fool Money, financial advice for real people, not trust fund hippies. Sign up for the newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple m. Mate, let's talk a bit about rights issues. Oh, I'll tell you what. What are you? How what do you, a way to what a way to keep our listeners engaged? How do you like your rights issues? I love it. <laughs> what are we talking about here? Gay rights or other land rights? rights? Land no, no, rights? No, no, no. None of those things. Although we, they are both very important. Non-renounceable rights. Non-renounceable, tradable, institutional <laughs> placement. Oh, how, let's how let's backtrack. Let's backtrack. Exciting. If the, a company wants to grow, mm -hmm. it can do it a couple of ways. It can either do it with its own cash flow. So the profits it makes, it can redeploy back into more growth. Yes. A la Amazon. Famously not very profitable, but but doing a truckload Huge of Huge amount of sales, yep. Or you can go and get some money from someone else to speed up some of that. And particularly if you've got to invest a whole lot of cash upfront in a new business or something else, you are going to go and get some money from somebody else. Yeah, you got to raise cash. Right. And that's going to come in either debt from the bank. So you walk up to the bank manager and say, Mr. Bank Manager, yep. uh, rather than my $4 million mortgage in Sydney, I want to borrow a couple hundred million dollars mm -hmm. And, and build this new business or add yep. this new operation or build mm -hmm. a new factory or mm -hmm. warehouse or something. Mm -hmm. That's one option. Yep. The other option is you go back to your current shareholders or some new shareholders and say, hey guys, 
you love us so much, how about you tip a little bit more into the kitty so we can grow this business? Right. So let's tease that apart a little bit here, especially after the GFC. I mean, debt is really a four-letter <laughs> word, isn't it? You Leverage know, is the only way a smart guy can go broke, as Warren Buffett told us. A lot to be said for that kind of stuff, you know? So... Um, the good thing about debt, we'll start with the good things, is that it doesn't dilute any shareholders, yeah. uh, shareholders that are out there, right? right? right. Um, but, you know, you have to pay interest on that. There is you a do. cost to it. If you get yourself into a bit of a liquidity problem, a bit of a cash flow problem, yeah. uh, the bank can come knocking and you could you could really go out of business very, yeah. very quickly. It happened in the GFC to a bunch of bunch of companies. Right, property companies in particular. Yeah. Yep. yep. Uh, and those interest rates can change. So there's all of those kinds of mm -hmm. problems with, with debt. Yes. Um, when you take debt, you are signing up to be the bank manager's lucky. Yeah. And he calls the shots. And he gets, he's first in line too. When things go bad, shareholders are at the end of the queue here. The, and that's the why bank's going to get their money before anyone else. Right. That's why some, some companies really eschew debt because they say, well, I don't want to be vulnerable to the bank manager's mood or, or whether or not I can refinance the debt when it comes to you. Oh, I'm sure you're the same, mate. Whenever we're, we're analyzing a business, we look very closely at the balance sheet. Yes. I mean, how, how much trouble can these guys get themselves into? Yep. Um, and if there's a, you know, a just truckload of a debt that is there, it is a much riskier proposition. So, so we definitely yes. look at that and yes. all, the, all the associated metrics. But at least with debt, you're not giving up part of the pie. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So if there's a million shares on issue after the fact, there's still a million shares on issue. Right. And you know, you, you own your proportional stake yep. and you get the full entitlement to all those future cash flows that, that may derive from that. Business. You got it. So your company makes a million bucks, there's a million dollars on issue. Yep. You get your dollars worth for every share you own. Okay. So the other way you can go about it yes. is that you can, as you said, you can pass the hat around amongst existing shareholders. You can say, listen, we've got hundred million shares on issue. Yes. We're going to issue another 10 million shares. Yes. And we're going to, you know, so they might call that a one for 10 rights issue. You get an mm -hmm. opportunity to buy one new share for every 10 that you already own. Correct. And the great thing about that is that there's no interest cost, right? right? The bank manager can't come. You're never going to have these liquidity issues. And those shareholders can never demand their money back from the no, company. No, once they you've paid it the market, out. But the money is effectively permanently belongs to the company. Now, at the same time, there, there, are, there are problems here. You, you are, uh, Buffett actually laments this, doesn't yes, he? It's he does. one of the biggest mistakes he made in buying, what was it again? General Re, the, oh, the reinsurance. The reinsurer. That's yep. right. Yep. So he issued a bunch of Berkshire stock to do that. So again, free-ish money. Mm -hmm. um, but <laughs> what that cost shareholders, he, re, he actually chalks up as one of his, mass, his major mistakes. Yep. And that's because the earnings that have been earned from Berkshire since that date in every other part of the business mm. have to be paid not only to the original shareholders, yep. but to those new shareholders when those shares were issued. So it's diluted the Huge earnings. Huge dilution. It's basically said, look, let's, yep. let's, let's share the pie amongst more and more people. Same pie, more people, means everyone gets a smaller slice. And that's the downside of equity raisings, raising capital, whatever you want to call it. Mm. When you issue more shares, you're giving more people a share of the pie. Okay. So it's the equivalent of saying, well, look, I'm going to go and do a renovation on my house. Yep. But what I'll do is to pay for the renovation, I'm going to sell one of the one of the rooms off to someone else. Yes, they've always got, you, you've got you've got your new room, but someone else always has that extra room. Someone else has always got a part of that buy, and you can wish forever you might have had that back. But once you've done it, you can't take it back. There's always a larger pie, and each slice is now smaller. I think really that's the calculus you have to go through when you're looking at these things. And we mention it because if you're invested in in the share market, it's almost certain that one of the companies you own is going to do a rights issue at some point. And for very good reasons, they, yeah. they've, they've got an opportunity to grow. They need some extra cash to do it. And they're going to go, there's a number of ways they can go about it. And we'll touch on that very, very briefly in, in just a moment. But the calculus you have to go through is what am I giving up 
And what am I getting in return? Exactly. And as long as you feel as though the investment that is going to be made is going to deliver more in cash flow than what you are giving up, mm -hmm. then it's a smart move, right? Potentially. And this is, this is where any expansion is risky. Mm -hmm. If you're going to take on a million dollars worth of debt or new shares, either way, you're betting that you can, you can take that million dollars and turn it into something more useful. So you, you're going to take your million dollars of investment, you're going to buy a new factory, and you can pump out more widgets that are going to make you more profitable after the fact, no matter how you, how you fund it. You want to be more profitable and you're, you're taking the pump that works. Now, TPG, we, you mentioned in the intro, TPG is going to buy a whole lot of mobile spectrum, so the right to send mobile phone signals across the airwaves. What was that? 1.2 million bucks. And spend another $600 billion. million. 1.2 billion, that's right. So another $600 million on top of that, mm -hmm. building the infrastructure and everything else needed to make that work. All right, they don't have that cash lying around. They're, so off to the bank they go and off to shareholders they go. Correct. And so $2 billion worth of bet here. Mm. They walked up to the casino, they put the $2 billion chip down on red and said, spin the wheel. Yep. Now, maybe... They get a $4 billion return and shells go, that was a great deal. Good no idea, brainer. guys. Yep. Or just maybe TPG's mobile business dies at birth, never gets up and running. And all of a sudden, you've got a business that isn't worth anything, but they've wasted $2 billion of my money, your money, the bank's money, and has to somehow try and justify why that happens. So as with any growth initiative, whenever you're taking large licks of cash, investing it up front, you're taking a very, very big risk. The yes. question for shareholders, as you say, Andrew, is... Is this money being spent wisely? Is it a good idea or a bad idea? And then is it being funded properly? That's what you're trying to look at. I think that's that's the really the, the way to look at it. Generally speaking, when we're dealing with um, uh, members or just generally talking about it, you, you'll you'll see that people often feel as though an ob there's an obligation to participate in these rights issues because they will say rightly. Um, if I don't do this, yeah. I'm going to be diluted just to your point before. So yep. at the moment, <laughs> let's say I own, keep the numbers. Now, let, most, most people aren't going to be in this kind of league, but let's say I own 2% of the business. Yep. They do a capital raising. I don't participate. No. I might be left with one and a half percent of the business after the fact. Right. Which is a lot of money, but you're basically losing your right to some of that profit because the profit, if the profit stays the same, you own less of it. You're actually getting less money at, at the end of the day than you would have got otherwise. And this is why being diluted is a big deal. Yep. The question still for shareholders, though, is, is it better to be diluted and not waste, throw more good money after bad? Yep. Or are you better off participating so at least you retain your access to that profit? And again, if the company's good, the future profits you're getting from that 2% will be even higher now today. Yeah, that's so the, you're taking that risk. Yeah, don't do it on dilution alone. Think about the investment merits here. The other thing, the other great mistake I think a lot of investors make is that, generally speaking, to entice investors... And often there'll be an institutional component to this as well. Yep. The the shares will be offered at a price, usually at a fair whack, a fair discount to the last traded price price on the market. And this so is if really... shares are at six bucks, they'll say, "Well, you can buy new shares at five dollars fifty. If it's yeah. at six fifty, why am I bothering? I can get them cheaper on the market, right?" And that's exactly. So this is why this is important, right? We've gone through a lot of detail to get to the point of saying when TPG did its rights issue. The shares were six sixty when they closed. Yep. They're hoping to get about five fifty. Whoa, that's and investors looked at that and went, "Hang yeah. on, I've just lost a, a you know." Yep. 15, 17 percent of my value. Yep. What the hell is the company doing? I feel poorer because I am because my shares are worth less. Yep. What the hell is going on? And the answer is the company is taking that bet. And frankly, the, the shelves of TPG, the two biggest shareholders are David Teo, the CEO, and Sol, Sol Pats, Sol Pats, the yeah. investment company. Yep. They're, they're taking the bet that the company's going to be able to turn that value into more money down the track. And they're happy to take a short-term share price hit to do it. Mm. Investors need to realize that's what's going on. That's why it happens. And it makes sense, right? Because there's now more shares on issue. Yep. So, so it of course, each one is going to be less. Yep. Exactly yep. right. But I think the, the point I was going to make is I think that when you're considering it as a shareholder, I, I think just because the, the shares are cheaper, 
that's not the reason to do it. You're anchoring on whatever happened, the share price happened to be recently versus yep. what you can get it at. You feel as though it's free money, right? Shares were 660, now I can buy them at six bucks. I'd be a fool not to do it. Well, the fact is, is if this is a terrible investment to your point, shares could be worth three bucks in five years time or two right. years time or the next day. So I think the anchoring on those, you don't do it just because it's cheaper. It's almost always going to be cheaper. Look at the investment, look at what the management are going to do with this pile of cash. And if you don't think it makes sense, then there's, there's frankly, there's, there's no reason to participate at all. Like throwing good money after bad. It really is. Do you want to talk about renounceable, non-renounceable insta or are we just really going I down really, the road? I really, really don't. Real money advice from real people. Not just a couple of dicks with a Porsche. Get more at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. What we are going to talk about instead Needs is get, coffee get, nap. get Liam a bit excited. <laughs> Let's talk about Monopoly. Monopoly. Okay, you're the boot. I'm the car because the car <laughs> always wins. Um, Liam, Liam's too young. Liam has never played. But Liam is so young. He doesn't even know Monopoly exists. He doesn't know what board games are, do you, Liam? Oh, I'm completely across Monopoly. Hey, I'm not, hey. Yeah, yeah, no, it, but it's banned uh, amongst my friends and I because <laughs> there was an incident once and I was a very poor sport. <laughs> so you're almost... responsible. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Basic, long story short, uh, I was losing and yes. I was about to have to give a lot of money to someone who was winning. Uh, so I decided to sell everything I had to the other guy who was paying for a dollar. <laughs> Nice. Uh, Mate, you should be in high finance. Uh, uh, let's give that man a job at an investment <laughs> bank because that is that is right out of the playbook, isn't it? That is genius. I love it. Right, Macquarie's on the phone right now. He's like, mate, we need people like you. <laughs> okay, so so the reason we're talking monopolies and 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 making this really tenuous um, line with a with a Hasbro board game. Tenuous is our middle name, mate. That's what we do for months on this podcast. That's it. Absolutely is. Is that there's a there was a tweet going around yeah. um, this week, and it was talking about sort of the market concentration in industries in Australia. And Australia is a really funny kind of place in the sense that we tend to have whatever industry you care to look at, it is dominated yeah. by a handful of players. Now we are a free market capitalist society, yes, and you know, in theory, it, it should be. Um, relatively easy, I guess, for, for new competitors to come in and all battle it out. Yep. And the great thing about competition from the consumer standpoint is it tends to lead to better services and better prices and all the rest of it. Until it doesn't. Until it doesn't. We'll we'll retweet this out. This uh, We'll retweet it. The Motley Fool AU is our Twitter handle. The Motley Fool AU. Come and join us. We'll retweet this out so you can have a, have a look at it once we finish the podcast. It's a fantastic list. Of, of monopolies, and, and you use the word before, oligopoly, which basically means a couple of players at the top rather than one. Or duopoly is the other duopoly one. Duopoly with two, two players, two, correct. Two of them. And a bit no, of a anyway. shout out too to Philip Suze, uh, who we got this from too on Indeed. Twitter, we should say. He and it came this, from Deutsche Bank. And Deutsche Bank did, did the studies here. So I'll give you some numbers here. Just to, The obvious one is the banks, right? Yep. The big four, they own 77% of the mortgage market. Air travel, 95% of all flights are taken with only two domestic airlines. Oh, man, and, and the list just goes up. And as you said, you can, whether it's fertilizer production or <laughs> online car sales or petrol stations or casino, there's really around three, maybe four players in that space. Speaking and of TPG, the top three mobile phone <laughs> providers, 95% of the market. So <clears throat> why is that? <laughs> why is it so? Why, why is it so? Professor Julius Sumner Miller coming I, I, to the microphone right now. Why is it so? I'm, actually, I'm actually not 100% sure on this one. How do I get an egg into this glass milk bottle? <laughs> <laughs> this is it? this is a great the egg thing or the the monopoly thing <laughs> the monopoly oh, okay, thing. Cool, cool. Uh, I'll tell you about the egg thing. It's you put a piece of paper. Anyway, <laughs> look, look it up on YouTube, dude. It's, okay. it's pretty cool. Okay. Um, 
Here's, here's the story about the Australian marketplace is a funny market. We are very, very big geographically. Yeah. And we have a very, very small population. Yes. And that means as we've become more nationalized as an economy, I don't mean nationalized in the sense that the government's nationalized the industries, but as, as things become more national, yep. to get savings, to get better prices, to get better service, scale starts to matter. Yes. And so once you go from, think about our media agencies, right? In terms of the, the, the print press, mm. once upon a time, there was a newspaper in every city, a couple, three newspapers in every city, yep. owned by different families. Yep. The Fairfax family, once upon a time, said, well, we've got this paper in Sydney. We don't have one in Melbourne. The guys in Melbourne have got something. If we're able to combine our national news coverage, our national economics coverage, everything else, the national printing, mm. we can save some money. We can do as good a job and we can get some costs out. So what do we do? Well, let's, let's actually buy the age in Melbourne. And so they do. Mm. And so that starts to happen over and over and over again. And the big guys get bigger. And as the big guys get bigger, the smaller guys can't compete anywhere near as well. And they start to Similar lose Similar to what relatives. we're talking about with Amazon, right? You got it. You yeah. got it. And the, well, the, Amazon is exactly the story, right? So mm. you think about the, the big grocery retailing in the US. Yes, there are regional grocers, mm. but Amazon is now an international retailer yeah. with one effectively brand, one point of presence, i.e. the internet, mm. it's a it's website. That does start to make a massive difference. And so if you think about, you know, how do you, how do you get big? How do you beat your competitor? You buy, you build, you merge, you do whatever you need to do. Mm to deliver scale, to deliver cost savings, to deliver better coverage. Think about airlines, right? When, when a new airline entrance comes to the market, think about Compass. Remember Compass? I do. It was Compass Mark 1 and Compass Mark 2. Yep. Um, EasyJet was here for a while. When a new entrant comes in, the big guys say, well, I'm not going to give up to market yet to that guy. So they all drop their prices, yep. force the other guys out of the market. And when Who you say wins? drop their prices, they drop their prices, which obviously hurts their margins and hurts their profitability, yep. but they're still profitable. Whereas yes. these guys, if they were to match that price, yes. would be unprofitable. And even sometimes they're unprofitable matching those prices, right. but they have such strong balance sheets, they can afford they can to lose money for a while. Yeah, yeah. And this is where scale begets scale begets scale. Once you get so big and... and um, one of the other things, you know, the top two real estate classifieds businesses in the country, 90%. Mm. Top online car sales, the leader, the number one player, carsales.com.au, has a 70% market share. Once you get big in these places, yeah. you can almost never, ever be taken over. And this is the real challenge mm. when it comes to this. Now, monopolies aren't necessarily bad things in and of themselves, but what it requires is a really good quality, strong regulator to keep those monopolies in check. Because once you have a monopoly position, you can charge whatever you want. That's the ACCC's job, right? Sydney Airport left unchecked could charge as much as they wanted. Because if you want to come to Sydney by plane, how else do you get there? You can either fly to Canberra and Newcastle and drive, mm. or you fly to Sydney Airport. Sydney Airport's the only airport in the basin, so you're going to use Sydney Airport. That's why services. we've recommended it for, uh, for dividend investor. It just it, you, you got you've got to, you know, it, it is an ethical obligation for a monopoly to extract as much power as it can from its position. Totally. And so, and so the regulators need, therefore, is to make sure these things don't become mm. anti-competitive and end up with bad results for consumers and other businesses alike. So let me bring this back. So what you're saying to me is that this isn't necessarily the consequence of poor government policy or anything like that, but it's really just a structural inevitability of a marketplace that starts to be dominated by a couple of players of scale? I think it's both. I think capitalism always tends to monopoly because the big guys just, just chew up and spit out the little guys. This is what happens. So, so that's right? where the ref needs to come in, i.e. the government. Right, right. This, is, this, is purely, fair. this is purely Darwinian. So right. is it the result of bad regulation? Probably, quite frankly, mm -hmm. because there probably should have been more things done originally to stop it happening. Yeah. But this is what happens in every market around the world, if it's ever at all possible. Mm. This is exactly what happens. Competition law here is called competition law. In the US, it's called antitrust law. Mm. And it's because back in the day, they broke up the oil trusts yes. that had become monopolies in and of themselves. Yep. They'd bought up enough stuff. they jacked up the prices. The railways were the same. When Capitalism tends to monopoly because that's the Darwinian result of any of this survival of the fittest type scenarios. Mm. 
it's the government's job, the regulator's job to make sure that society isn't screwed by that kind of thing happening. We love monopolies. We love, sorry, we love, we love competition. Mm. We love the market. We love free markets. We're big fans, but we're also, and frankly, probably more than some of our, some of the people you'll, you'll listen to very, very aware that the economy exists for a societal good. Yeah. Yeah, the economy exists to serve society, not the other way around. And so in this it's case, the government, at times, right, yeah. exactly. Governments need to do what's right to make sure these guys don't get out of control. Mm. So we're getting to the end here. So we need to tie a bow around this one. Okay. What are you, what are we saying really here? Is that when you see a company, uh, a company that's, you know, one of the, the, the dominant um, players, whether it's a, a duopoly or oligopoly, whatever, mm -hmm. is that, is that something that you, you should definitely favor? I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a different answer than I, than I would have probably five years ago. Okay. I'm a big fan of monopolies because they have that monopoly pricing power, as you said, and you yep. can charge whatever the hell you want. Yep. ASX is a great example. Yeah. That, right. You yeah. Can charge no, yeah the hell very you good want. example. Yep. Another example five years ago would have been cab charge. <laughs> Yeah. And so there's two so things about monopolies. They're right? not bulletproof. Monopolies yeah. have great pricing power while ever the monopoly remains intact. Mm. But if you've got 100% of the market, how much market share can you get? Yeah. None. How much can you lose? Well, up to 100%. Yeah. So think about the, the newspaper classifieds businesses that were once yeah. monopoly providers. Think about cab charge, the taxi payments business that was once dominant. Think ASX about, think about IBM back in the 80s, right? right like that right. thing just dominant and compact. What, quick plug here for Silicon Cowboys on Netflix if anyone hasn't seen it. Great doco on how compact took on the monopoly provider and won. There you go. So these, you know, Monopolies are great businesses for as long as the monopoly can be maintained, but just be a little bit careful because the upside is limited, mm. the downside potentially very large if and when the monopoly is broken. And frankly, these guys have a tendency to have those monopolies broken, particularly these days when technology comes to, yeah. to the fore. Yeah. You tend to get fairly complacent in your dominance as well. You, you tend to sort of laugh at these new entrants until it's too late Correct. And, and, and you are beaten. So yes, take, take monopoly by all means. But don't assume they are bottom draw stocks because at some point someone is going to upset that apple cart. Yes, yes, very good. Well, let, that pretty much wraps it up. Before we go, don't forget you can subscribe to Triple M Motley Fool Money podcast through iTunes and your favorite Android podcast app. And please, as always, give us a five-star rating if you'd be so kind. We do heartily recommend a Monopoly in pod, Finance podcast. And we heartily recommend Motley Fool Money be the only Monopoly podcast you listen to. Market the, dominance. We are the only one you need. Trust us. We won't flex our pricing power to too much, though. We promise. Um, that's it. Scott, thank you, as always, for your time. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Fools. Full on. Full on. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.